my great joy to introduce to you the three musketeers hailing from the land of remote work. We have Marissa, career coach and queen of all. We have Jeff, our sassy SEO shaman. And we have Diego, who has spent his 20s building a community of remote working lunatics. Sure, these folks are going to be the people that will get you beach commute ready. And they'll do it in the most exciting way possible. So, happy listening. Hello and welcome to this episode of our Beach Commute podcast. I am here with Jeff, who I get to interview today. This is Marissa, by the way. Um, so here at Beach Commute, we are your one-stop shop for all things digital nomads. <laughs> Jeff is laughing at me. He likes to say we're the best resource, the premier resources for digital nomads. Whatever resource you want to say. Cent- what, what do you feel? Better. Resource center. Resource center. I think we that sounds like a library. Any of our listeners, let us know if you have a better. <laughs> Send us something in. Like we have no pride involved in this. As a matter of fact, it's just terrible. We need to come up with. Slogans. We just have no pride in general. <laughs> but yeah, we're working on that. All of that being said, if you have a dream to travel the world and want to do so by finding a way to work remotely, make an income, we are the place to come. How does that sound? That's- that's not bad. All right. You actually, you, actually rhymed, you actually rhymed it, too. Did I? Like a, it wasn't like purposeful. I think, <laughs> I think you created a jingle. Great. I'll work on that. So done. Nailed. But yeah, let it, email us if you have a better. <laughs> I'll work on the haiku for next time. Perfect. All right. So let's jump in. Today, I am interviewing Jeff because we are talking about how to successfully be an employee for an, for a company while you are traveling full-time or just for a lot of the time, for months on end, potentially. And no one is better to talk about this than Jeff because he has been doing this for many years. He still works for a corporation. So we get to drill him with all the questions today. So Jeff, are you ready? Yeah, hit me. This, <laughs> I like this one because this one always scares the hell out of people before they become digital nomads. They're like, how do I ask? What happens once I, you know, actually do it? Can I do it? All that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I've screwed, I've screwed it up so many different ways. <laughs> that you can't, if you listen to this podcast, you can't possibly screw it up. I've done all the mess ups for it. At least not as bad as you. And I think what's also really beautiful about this conversation is once, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, I think hopefully you're starting to realize, believe that it is absolutely possible to be an employee, to work for a company, to have career progression the same way you normally would as if you were just working, you know, from home. But a lot of times if you're interviewing with a new company that you want to work for, maybe they're open to being remote, but like the idea of traveling or working in a different country kind of freaks them out. I think uh, this conversation today is going to be super helpful because there's a lot of, um, I think on both ends, both as an employee and the employer, there's just a lot of misconceptions and a lot of unknown because it's it's still kind of new for some people. So we're going to cover a lot of the bases today that will help you realize that this is possible and we can help you figure out how to do it. So you ready? Yep. Let's okay. Go. So I want to start from the beginning of um, the conversation you had with your boss. So I know we've, we've had a couple episodes, you've mentioned kind of some of the story, but talk us through that moment where you're like, all right, boss, I, I want to be in a different country doing this job still. Like, how did you approach it? What'd you do? How'd that work? I mean, to start, and the most important thing is I just asked, and that's what most people, that's where most, seriously, that's where most people, yeah. stop. They just, they don't, they're afraid to ask. I just asked. I told him about the first time that I went 
out of country. Is that what you wanted to talk about? Or the first time I just like started working from a different Maybe place? Well, I mean, I guess when you first asked permission, was did you first just say, hey, I'd like to kind of be around the country in different places? Or did you just open up, say, I want to work remote from everywhere and you just started? Oh, so just, yeah. yeah, I guess walk us through how, how that process went with you and your company. Because you've been with your company for how many years now? Uh, almost nine years. Yeah, yeah so that's a long time. Uh, and how many years were you in the uh, office to start? Um about four or five years or so so i've been doing this okay perfect yeah probably about four years yeah so i started just in the states and that i didn't even ask permission for that because honestly i wasn't changing time zones and it wouldn't have made any bit of difference you know whether i'm because you were you were working remotely by that point you didn't have to be in an office yeah, it didn't matter. Like, if, if the background changes of my meetings, like, why? How does that impact them? It doesn't impact them. That's, <laughs> that's literally the only change that they're going to see is a different background, and they might ask a couple yeah. questions about it. But if you if they've already agreed that they trust you enough to work remote, you're halfway there, right? Because yeah. at that point, all you have to do is show up for meetings. So that right. brings me naturally to I wanted to work in Colombia, and right. at that point, I think it's really important. I'd already proven that I could work remote. Right. So I've, I've already been productive on my own. So I, I kind of already had a, a chip in the bank. Um, right. And when I asked uh, when I asked my boss, asked my CEO if I could work in Columbia, I, I sold him on. I said, this is something that I really want to do um, for one, for two, you know, just kind of play up the, you know, keep me happy. I'm going to keep the company happy type of thing. And then for two, like the time zone was even better. They're an East Coast company. I'm <laughs> Pacific Coast. And that puts me directly in the time zone. So I was actually going to overlap with more meetings. So I was going to get more down. I was going to be even right. more available. So if anything, it was like in this instance, it doesn't always work out that way for sure. But in this instance, it was it was easier for my company to have me closer to their time zone. So it was right. kind of like a natural, yeah, it was like a natural, it was a natural yes. It was an easy yes. Perfect. And it's not always going to be that way for everyone. So we're going to talk about some things in a second that typically kind of maybe throw employers off, like how did taxes work? How does insurance work? Like, how, are you going to come back? Are you going to be available? We're going to get into that. But you mentioned time zones. So I want to quickly just ask about that. So when you first started and when we first met, you were kind of staying within a certain time zone within a couple hours of mm-hmm. that East Coast time zone in the US so that really limited you to Central America, South America, that whole area, which there is, I mean, you could explore that for years. But you now have the flexibility to work in different time zones, or you you will be in a different time zone, maybe working similar time zones. Mm-hmm. So, how did you bring that conversation about to you know? Did you ask for permission to go to those place different places? Do you tell them? Do you just assume like, hey, I'm going to show up at the time I'm supposed to and get my work done? What is that like? So it, it kind of goes back a little bit. So I I started off asking every time that I would travel somewhere um, somewhere outside the country. Until a point got where I think there was a level of trust. Like I was, I nailed the first couple of times I did it. I was always available. Like I never missed any calls. I always made sure I had good Wi-Fi. So any, anytime something random happened where Wi-Fi went out, they just assumed it was some oddball thing that was beyond my control. And I I got, I got a little little bit of leeway. So once I proved that I could do what I was doing, I stopped asking and I just started working right. from remote places because it didn't, right. it didn't make any difference. As long as I showed up for meetings, I could be working on the freaking moon if they had Wi-Fi, and it would have been <laughs> it would have been fine. It would have made absolutely no difference to the company because I'd already proven right. that I could do what I said I was going to do. 
Um, However, that did change a little bit. You talked about, you know, working in expanded time zones outside North American time zones. Um, I did ask for that, or I, or I said, I, I gave my bosses a good heads up on what was, what was coming so that he knew I was going to be having maybe adjusted meetings. Um, but really at that point, it was just up to me in order to make sure I make it work. So that means I'm going to have to work right. hours, right? I, you're still right. going to have to, you're still going to have to accommodate the company. You, you can't just, you can't just work your own hours no matter where you mm-hmm. want to go. And anybody that's working for a company, yeah. I, I'm sure that's going to be an expectation. They're not going to work around your new time zone. You're going to have to adjust and you're going to have to either, uh, it's going to be a little tricky. Like if you're working um, Asian Pacific, you're going to be working nights probably. If you're working, yeah, uh, yeah if you're working in Europe you're pro- and you're based in the States, you're going to be working late afternoons and into the evening kind of thing. So that's at that point, once you've proven yourself, it's just kind of onto you to make it work. Yeah. And it's interesting because different jobs require different things. So there's some types of jobs where you're an employee, but it might still just be like, you know, if you're a software developer or designing websites or whatever it is you might be doing, it might still be like, Hey, as long as you get your work done, maybe we'll have a call here and there. It doesn't really matter the hours you work. For you as a CMO of a marketing agency, you know, you have people who work for you, you have one-on-ones, you have all different calls. So I know you in particular, which is why it's helpful to have this conversation, really kind of have to stick to a set time that you have to be on calls and working and available. So you're not like free for all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'm like, as as far as the people that are listening to this and, and considering going into remote work. I think of it as a spectrum of how available you need to be and your requirements yeah. for for meetings, for uh, you know, uh, video, Skype, Zoom, whatever it is that you're using. I'm on the far end where I need to take up to four hours of video calls per day. So I'm using bandwidth. I have to have quiet rooms. Um, I have to have a workspace that doesn't have palm trees and people drinking <laughs> pina coladas behind me. Like I am very, like I mentioned in a previous <laughs> podcast, I'm super needy when it comes to this stuff and I make it work. No problem. <laughs> I make it work. Yeah. No problem. And I'm on the far end of that. You know, I've, I've seen yeah. very, have you seen many people more uh, reliant on internet or phone calls than me at this point? There's probably a few. No. Probably... I mean, I, I, and a lot of the coaching I do, like, I think you and I both, I do less video. I, I do mostly audio calls for my coaching, yeah. but um, yeah, I, I think that you probably definitely have, I've seen people need it just as much, but you're, you're up there with, with your needs, your neediness for your Wi-Fi and your calls. But again, I think it's fun to have this conversation with you because you need to be in a certain time zone. I've still made it work. I've still made why we'll get into some Wi-Fi and things like that. But I wanted to give a couple of of examples of people I've traveled with who um, have have just been in different time zones while, while making this work. And a lot of people just assume like, okay, if I need to work from nine to five, I need to be in that time zone. But for example, I had a friend uh, when we were in Europe who had that was, was on that kind of Eastern time. And I forget the exact hour she worked, but I want to say it was maybe like 2 PM to 10 PM or something in Europe, which to some people, you know, if you have a family and kids or you want to be home with them, like, okay, maybe that wouldn't be so great. 
But if you're at a place in your life where she was like, it was great. I slept in late. I meditate in the morning. I would walk by the water. I would go to the gym. It's like you have a leisurely, it depends on your, um, you know, when you're most um, efficient with your work and things like that. But she loved it. She was like, this is fabulous. I have lunch. I do whatever. I explore, you know, the town while it's light out. And then I come back and she was fine to work from two to 10. Um, I've also had, and this I do not recommend, but in Asia, um, like you said, we had, I had someone I lived with in Thailand who hadn't, he was, um, I think his employer was like in, in Oregon in the U S mm. didn't tell them that they thought he was like in the middle of nowhere, Oregon, just like a couple hours away. He was remote, but he never told an employer and he would work from, I want to say it was like 7 PM to like four in the morning every day. And it was not so fun for him. Like he was exhausted. He couldn't do things with us at night, things yeah. like that. Um, so you have to be mindful, you know, if you have a dream of going off to Asia, but you're in the U S like, maybe you need to think through, like, do you want to stay? you know, some people don't care. They're like, if you want to stay up all night and, and work that way, you go for yeah. it. But you really want to think through like, what does that mean for your health, your body, your mind? How, like how much can yeah. you really enjoy your time traveling if you're doing that? Cause it's hard. And then you've got people with niche skill sets. You're looking at a um, lot of developers, a lot of graphic designers yes. who are delivering products, and they can—they just need internet access. Like they, they'll take the yeah. occasional call. Like I'll, I'll meet the developer. It takes maybe a one-a-day call or even a once-a-week call. Um, like yeah. I had a I had a developer friend that only had to take a call for one hour every week, and then another one that only had to take a half an hour call once a day. And that was just a make it work type of thing. The rest of it yeah. was just all, it was practically offline work and all they needed was an internet connection to upload their code. Um, yeah. Same thing with a graphic designer, just working independently on projects. And then the only calls that she had was delivering the projects and walking them through the yeah. art that she put together. Um, exactly. Yeah, so it, it, it kind of really depends on what what you're into and what your specific needs are. But um, yeah. I've seen it all, we've seen it all work. Yeah. Yeah. And with, yeah, for sure. I think it's a a good point of the different type of work. We have writers, this, that, there's definitely jobs where you can still be hired and be in all sorts of time zones and make it work, or you just decide what, what's your priority. Um, as a coach, I always tell people, I say, start with the end in mind and work your way backwards. So like, if it is really important to you to go travel to Australia or Asia or the middle East and you're living in the U S or Maybe you're Australian and you want to travel to Central South America. Really think through like what's the career that you want for yourself and what's more important, right? This certain type of job that has, you know, set hours that you have to be, or is it more important for you to have freedom and flexibility? You know, I was living in Mexico with a girl who was working for, she was from Australia and worked for her company there. And, you know, there were some nights where she was up super late on calls, but she didn't always have to do that. Sometimes she was just getting her own work done in normal times. So again, it's really important just to think through like, what's, what's your priority? What's yeah. your end goal? Where, what do you value more and, and think through that? But even so, a lot of, I think a lot of people just starting out to say, I don't, you know, it's still fun to travel within the same time zone or, you know, within a couple hours, there's so much mm. you could be doing. So like, even for the first year, if you're just like, all right, I'm going to stick, you know, like you did to kind of South America mm. area or Central America, there's so much to explore. Start with that. See if you like it, see how you feel, get comfortable with it. And then say, now do I want to go to Europe? Now do I want a different job that I can be more flexible? Like yeah. you can kind of pick and choose and learn as you go kind of an easy way to start is if you yeah. are based in the States or it doesn't matter if you're 
you're based in Europe, staying somewhat within your time zone is going to relieve a little bit of the stress that you're feeling with can I yeah. make this work kind of thing. Um, you know, just yeah. just make sure that you can do it and then start expanding yeah. out into other places. Yeah. And even as an entrepreneur, you know, I spent um, a lot of months um, in in Asia and the Middle East and all of that. And while I can work my own hours to get my own stuff done, there's times where I want to talk to people about partnerships or have a call or talk, you know, talk to other business people or clients or whatever it might yep. be where I sometimes will take a call at midnight or wake up at, you know, 6am if it's important to me. So, you know, it's not, uh, if I did that every single day, it would be exhausting, but you know, you make sacrifices uh, and midnight's not a problem for you. No, I'm always you're up late at 6am. You're not colonel. <laughs> I am. Six I've already a. M. been out for three Five hours. Rough. I, already, I already had my glass of warm milk. <laughs> <laughs> my bedtime story. I'm tucked in. I'm out. <laughs> yes, Jeff and I have opposite sleep schedules <laughs> and work schedules. We don't. We do not overlap well in that way. But um, it is. <laughs> it's all diminishing returns after that. Somebody book me That's for a call. Prime like, time. <laughs> you're, you're getting uh, sure. Fine. You're getting twenty five percent brain power. Like I, oh my God, I can't help that. I'm twenty five percent brain power in the morning, and you know my prime time starts at like four p.m. Like eleven p.m., I'm like firing. I don't <laughs> know how you happen. build up. I don't know how you build strength. Like I started a hundred percent, and I just perfect. It's like a perfect <laughs> reverse hockey stick, like a negative graph. <laughs> I started at zero. I, I can't even speak. Or I'm like, if I'm trying to work before noon, my brain it's like, why try? <laughs> but this is what's cool. You can build your time zones around you. So this, all right, we've we've sidetracked for a while. I want to back up for a second um, and talk about taxes. This is my maybe a random one, but a lot of I would say this is a bigger fear on the employer side. But if you are someone who's trying to get a remote job and negotiate with the employer to have this permission to work remotely, um, a lot of things that people get confused about is, you know, companies have to pay taxes based on the state that you live in and the country that you live in. So they get really confused when you're like, hey, I'd like to go live in Colombia for for four months. Employers are like, alert, alert, alert. Like, this doesn't work for my business. I don't know how to do this. So can you just talk about like, what is that like um, in, in terms of work? Because it's not actually the, the truth of, of what happens, but how does that yeah. work for you when you work as an employer, for an employer? Yeah, I mean, I have an address. So I've, I've got a US-based address. <laughs> so everything gets set there. Like, well, all yeah. for all for all intents and purposes, my tax, my tax address is my home address that I live in. Yeah. Um, I don't know how it'll work if you're, like some people that go full-time, I'm not a full-time nomad. I'm maybe half-time to three-quarter time, something like that. Um, a lot of them will do the F-E-I-E, which stands for something, 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 something. But basically <laughs> it makes you, I think, federally exempt from income. Oh, I'm close. Federally exempt. Federally exempt in- um, income exclusion. Inclusion, something like that. Yes. What it, basically what it means is if, if you are gone 330 days of the year, uh, meaning yeah. tra- traveling abroad, um, then you don't have to claim the first 110000 of your income. So a lot of people do that. They'll, they'll stay remote yeah. at the time, and it, it, then it's kind of a, a non-issue for them. But for me, like I do have a U.S.-based em- employer, and they do have to account for my taxes. So with them, I just tell them I am a full-time resident of California, so all my taxes go there. I pay taxes in California. I pay the IRS yearly taxes, that whole thing. So nothing changes. And basically it gets treated as I am 
a tourist. I am when I'm traveling, I am not traveling for business. I am not working um, like as a taxable uh, citizen of whatever country I'm in. I always yeah. have a tourist visa. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's super helpful to think through because whether you're somewhere for a month, three months, you know, however long that, that uh, tourist visa lets you stay is pretty much how long you can stay in that country and you follow their rules. But I think a lot of people just have the misconception that like, you're going to have to start paying different taxes or if you don't have a home base. But the truth is like, you still have an address. If you don't have a home, like Jeff does, people use their parents' address, your cousin's address, your brother's address, yeah. your friend's address, whatever it is, you still have that kind of home base. And that is the, the state or the place, or the country that you are taxed in. And even like you said, you know, I know a lot of people who do the FEIE, but they still have that like, quote, you know, home address base. Yeah. They're just gone a certain amount of time. So from an employer standpoint, like that, that person is treated the same way as if they were working from home in their apartment the entire time. So if this is throwing you off and it's going to throw off a lot of employers, if they haven't had people travel in this way, if it's kind of new to them. Um, so just something to be mindful of that, even if they you know say it's a red flag and you can't do it because of that, it's, it's not the case. So it might become different. Um, I actually do have a friend who has um, is claiming now full-time residency in Portugal, which is like one of the easier places to do that. And for a long time, he worked for a U.S. company. So I'm sure if you're doing something like that, then it would have more implications. You'd have to you know, work through that with your employer. Yeah. But if you're just kind of traveling the way most digital nomads do, you're staying, you know, 30, 60, 90 days in a place, depending on their rules, or even, you know, a couple days, weeks at a time, you literally, when you go in, you just say like, I am a tourist, I'm here to visit you, you know, you happen to be working on your computer, but you are taxed the same way as if you lived at home. Yeah, the main thing is just playing by the visa rules. So wherever you're yeah. going, just understand like, how long does your tourist visa last for? And also yeah. what does a renew look like? like some places yeah. won't let you renew for six months. You get it three months and they won't let you renew for six months. And then in other places you can go for six months, leave for three days and come right back and you get a renewed visa. Yep. So, so it completely yeah. depends on where you go. And so if you, the main thing, I guess the main takeaway is you really don't have to worry about taxes too much. Um, and if you have any questions yeah. about them with your employer or asking about um, or, or trying to pitch them on it not being a big deal, you can shoot us a note. We've we've done it. Yeah. It's, it's really not a big deal. Yeah. Maybe one day we should do like we'll have a tax person come on and like do a whole thing because Jeff and I are not tax experts. But the takeaway we want you to have here is just like, don't you worry. That shouldn't, that shouldn't be. I want nothing. You want nothing. All right. I'll take that I one. Taxes. I have a good friend. I, I live with in Mexico who does that. So. We can talk to her, but the point of this is like, don't let that be the hurdle. And I wasn't even meaning to get into visas, but just as we mentioned it, a lot of people um, think about they have to get like work visas or it's hard to do. You can't do that. Like you, again, you're going to these places as if you're just a tourist, you're traveling, you happen to be doing work, but you're, you're just there to explore. So it's actually far easier to get. Sometimes you don't even need a visa in a lot of countries, depending on where you're going, what country you're from, but they're pretty easy to get. And it's not like... Um, I, I know to have an actual like working visa in a different country, that's a whole process to do. So yeah. this yeah. is not that what we're talking really about. But we're not yes. doing that. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Check on the taxes. Next is insurance. This one, I feel like we're going to have to talk about this in, in many different episodes and ways, but this is something <laughs> that just freaks people out. We're going to need an insurance like, person too. We <laughs> probably yes. will. 
Yes, absolutely. We'll do that. Um, so talk to me, like you've got your health insurance in yeah. the US, um, again, whatever country you would be in, you'd have your health insurance with that company, or maybe you work as a contractor and don't, but pretend for a second, you've got your health insurance. When you go traveling, how does that affect a company? How does that affect you? Right. So you've, you've got your insurance and that's, that's good. That covers you. If you're a United States based citizen, that covers you in the States. And that's an important note to make is it covers you in the States. So <laughs> if you go somewhere else and you need health insurance, you can't use your United States health insurance. You can go back and use it uh, in most cases, depending on what happens. Like if you've got a, there's certain things you probably have to get taken care of right away, like a broken leg or something. Um, but you can only use your U.S.-based health care in the United States. So what a lot of people do and what I do is I have uh, travel insurance, travel health care insurance, um, in case something major happens. Um, like, for example, you need to get, knock on wood, you need to get airlifted out of somewhere, you're probably going to want some sort of travel-related health insurance that will cover you based on your policy. So your policy will tell you um, it'll cover XYZ types of things. It'll tell you which countries you're covered in. And they'll give you a, a quote for how much it's going to cost you. And you'll be shocked at how cheap it is. I think I'm paying 120 bucks a year, something like that. It's not yeah, bad. It's, yeah. Or and, you can also do it month by month and it's like 30 or $40 yeah. a month usually. Yeah. Yeah. And people would also be shocked that like, if you actually have to go get healthcare in another country, especially in South or Central America, um, it is incredibly affordable. Yeah. <laughs> I had, yeah, I had to get an MRI done in Colombia, uh, as an example, uh, a while back. And I got an appointment very next day and no insurance, everything out of pocket ran me around 200, $250. And that's a $2,000, $3,000 procedure with referrals yeah. in the States. So I, you would be shocked how affordable it is just out of pocket. Now, if you layer on top of that an insurance policy, a travel insurance policy, you're going to be in good shape. Yeah, I think it's yeah. a great point. The, the kind of two things I want to point out about that. One, if you're thinking about, you know, as you're negotiating with a potential employer to get a remote job and go remote, um, this is something you can just say like, hey, you know, I just have my normal health insurance. You don't, you know, it's, it's not any different for them. And then, yeah, it, it just is a fear of so many people of like, what if I get sick? What if something happens? What if I'm there? Mm -hmm. and, and to your point, one, it's often, this is a very US centric lens that, that we have here. So maybe we'll get Diego or some other people on and, and talk about this from other countries as well. So apologies for that. But compared to the US, so many places are much more affordable. And like you, Jeff, like I have gotten um, this like intense x-ray for my foot in Argentina. If you remember when I like walked off a wall mm. and <laughs> and had that, and it was like $120, which would have been, yeah. you know, $2,000 in the US. I've gotten rabies yeah. shots in Indonesia. I have got like, Ooh, I've been into I got bit by a monkey and like, oh. it's in... <laughs> I was just being safe. It wasn't bleeding or anything. But I was like, I should probably do that. But do in they, the US, I think. Do like the five shots in the stomach? Uh, was it was in my arm about? and I think it oh. was three or four shots. I can't remember now, but in the U S it would have been like $400 a shot. Yeah. And I think it was like, you know, less than a hundred dollars a shot. And it was like two doors down yeah. from like this. It was just so easy. And again, I've had that experience over and over and over again. So the things that freak you out, like, yeah, it, it's, 
uh, affordable, easy, and then you can use your help. But yeah, I do the same sort of like monthly travel insurance on top of it too. Even even vaccinations, like you can get those remote as well. I remember getting some vaccinations here to get into Mexico and the yellow fever, which you have to get in certain parts of Central America, yellow fever vaccination here in the States is around 330 bucks with insurance. And there, I just got it done when I was in Colombia for 30 bucks out the door. Yeah. So there are, and, and some people actually do travel to get healthcare and to get vaccination. Yeah, They'll just get exactly. them on location because it is so affordable. Yeah. And even people often worry about their prescription, we're off topic here, but I just want like prescription medications and things like I that. Think it's still, um, yeah, yeah no, it's super helpful stuff. But yeah, like, and I know in Mexico where I just was, it's like, you can get things, it's far more affordable to get some of those prescriptions or, you know, all over the world. I know Diego has talked about like, he's from Germany, his girlfriend's from Romania. And he like waits till he goes to Romania because he likes some medication is cheaper. So the mm. things that scare people, it's like there are pharmacies and other places. There are doctors. There are things. And if you really need something, like you you can fly home. But um, yeah, insurance covers things. It's affordable. It, yeah. it all works out, I guess I'll say. <laughs> all right. So let's circle back. Um, all important things. We've, we've, we've talked about a lot. Um, I want you to talk about... Um, potentially using a VPN. So circling mm. back to whole conversation where you are an employee working for a company or getting permission to do so remotely. Um, I, I feel like I had never really under it was understood a VPN or how it worked or what it did. Can you talk about what that is in situations where you might need it for your job? Right. So a lot of times uh, your employer will have some sort of software that you have to log into. It, it could be anything from... Salesforce, which is a major uh, CRM, to just a like a, a homegrown software system where they track hours or whatever. Yeah. And what happens is when you log in, um, the system's identifying your IP address, basically where you're located, and that's that's coming from your network. So if I'm in Costa Rica and I log into my company's um, you know, their paycheck system where I'm entering my PTO and, and maybe logging hours or something like that, the system will see an IP address coming from Costa Rica. And it doesn't recognize that as um, a valid location to let you in. It almost looks like it could be some sort of <laughs> spam attack or something. Yeah. And so there's, there's a lot of security around these systems, especially like Salesforce, which a lot of you are going to be familiar with. Um, and in order to curb that, they will just block entry from specific IP addresses or rather any IP address that isn't based in certain areas. Like I had another friend that had to log in through a specific city. Like if it didn't yeah. recognize through that city, it would flag all kinds of, uh, put up all kinds of red flags and it wouldn't let you in and she wouldn't actually be able to work. So one way around that, um, and it, it doesn't work all the time. So I can't just say, go get a VPN and, <laughs> and get around it because there are systems that will work around VPNs and, and that just won't work. But a virtual private network, what it stands for is software that will relocate your IP address and it'll mask it, making it look like it's coming from a completely different location. So again, yeah. going back to the example in uh, Costa Rica where my friend couldn't log in through uh, North Carolina, she used a VPN to make it look like she was logging in through um, somewhere, it might not have been North Carolina, but it was close enough where she's able to log right. into the system. 
So these things are, they're everywhere. You Google VPN, you're going to find some sort of software that you're going to pay somewhere between 50 to a hundred bucks a year. Um, and it's, it's well worth it. Um, yeah. it'll, it'll, a lot of times that it comes with the added benefit of protecting your network. Mm-hmm. Like if you're Safety on, measure, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're making payments through a Wi-Fi network, that's unprotected. Like if you're at a cafe mm-hmm. or something, which is going to happen all the time and you're making payments, mm-hmm. you could have people within that cafe log into the network. And if they're clever enough, they could access your computer while you're on the network. It's technically not secure. A lot of VPNs will protect you against that. So you yeah. can get a, so you get like kind of a double protection type of thing. Oh, and also some streaming services don't allow you to stream <laughs> outside. Your, yeah, yeah, they don't let you stream I honestly feel like most of our friends use VPNs to like yep. stream their favorite shows, listen to the music they want, like the yep. thing, like not even for work. So it's helpful. It's very helpful for work. It's helpful for your Netflix and uh, Hulu and whatever else you're watching abroad. Yep. Um, but one fun example, uh, I was in Oman with Diego and we had a girl there who, she was a developer, but I can't remember exactly wh- what she worked for a company mm. and they were like, I don't remember if it was cybersecurity, but they were like ultra secure and they had yeah. to send her like, she had to use her own VPN, like a different laptop, a different like burner phone. Like it was oh, wild. Right. And she had to log like that. That's to the extreme. But to your point, like there are ways to be safe, to log into things that you need. So it's just something to be mindful of if, if your employer has specific software, things like that. Um, there are workarounds. Yeah. You got to be careful um, where you're going too, because Oman has yeah. restrictions on data in and data out. Too. Yeah, that one was wild for there. Um, I wish Diego was here to talk about it, but we had to, like, you had to use a VPN to text, to use WhatsApp, to yeah. use email, Zoom. It, like, it was, and if you didn't have it when you got there, like, I had to log in in Diego's phone to log through mine because he already had a VPN and mine wasn't set up ahead of time. So, um, yeah, there's that. That was the most extreme I've, I've actually ever had. No other. Yeah, and um, my we'll is kind of like that. The UAE. So yeah, this is like extreme. You don't usually have to deal with these things. But anyway, things to be mindful of. Um, back back to working for a company that has a location. Were there ever times where you had to visit your office or headquarters or like quarterly meetings or any like anything you had to plan around or how do you work through that with your company? Yeah, it's it's expected that I come and check in pre-pandemic, of course, was like expected that I come and check in in the office, our office headquarters in Boston. And it was expected that I'd come in a couple times a year. And I would usually just like parlay that into another trip. So a lot of times it would get me like closer or to an easier, cheaper flight, right? Yeah. So it actually worked out really well, go visit the office because they pay for that flight. And then I get a nice, like a cushy flight from there to somewhere else, <laughs> Yeah, which, yeah, which worked out really well. I mean, I did that. I had a visit in Chicago and I had a, like a perfect cheap flight from Chicago, like Chicago to Mexico city is one of the easiest, it's like a $120 flight straight shot kind of thing. Um, so yeah, as a matter of fact, doing, I had to do that and it worked out really well, it was cheaper. And a lot of times the flights are better. Yeah. It's been interesting. I have um, just like the the gamut of different friends who have different travel jobs and um, other fellow beach commuters. But I had a a friend from Germany who worked for, she's like an events 
planning. Like her, she was an agency. So for most of the time, for months on end, she was just talking to clients. She was, again, on her phone on certain time zones. She was up at five in the morning working while we were in Argentina. Um, but while she was away, it was like planning up to these events. And then there were certain things, maybe three or four times a year of these like big events that that was what she did as her job, plan these events. So she would have to be on the ground. So she would just say, okay, like I know that these weeks and they were usually planned pretty far out are like, I'm going to have to be in a certain place. And the rest of the time yeah. I can plan around that. And like you said, sometimes it benefits like your company will pay for your flight to that place. But um, yeah, just to be mindful of if you have to be in a certain location, sometimes don't let that totally hold you back from saying, well, these other weeks or months I could be exploring or in another country or trying out. So don't let that mm. be you know, someone says you have to be here for you know, once a quarter or once a year or once a month. Like, just think through what else you could be doing in that off time. I know when I was uh, working for Pepsi. When I first started working remotely, I still had to go check in like you. I had to go to the office sometimes every now and then or be there for events. And so I just would Mm -hmm. plan around it. And um, you kind of work your way up to more freedom, I would say. So um, you touched on this briefly before, but just being available. We've talked about this on a previous episode, but like I think the way that you explain it, when you first, when you're working for another company, let's say you just get hired by a new company or you're with an existing company and you negotiate to go to another Mm -hmm. country you you have explained before it's like you better over deliver be extra available the same yeah. way you know i even felt that when i started working from an office to just working remotely in a different state when i first started i was like all right i'm gonna be on my computer i'm gonna be so responsive whereas i was in the office mm-hmm. i might be like off talking to friends and things like that so just talk through how did that work for you like how did you make yourself over available and like yeah. those first couple months just make it as seamless as possible here's the thing you just you have to understand that people don't get it. This is still the idea of work and travel is still in its infancy, really. <laughs> like there's, there's uh, sure there's, there's already like double or triple the people doing it since I've started just a few years back. But really, it's just still early adopters and people really don't get it. And they still think when you're working and traveling, especially if you're in a, a beautiful location, <laughs> you go somewhere tropical, <laughs> they just assume that you're not working. They assume that you're yeah. on vacation and work is a second is a second thought. And um, you have to, like you said, you have to over deliver and you have to overcompensate the first few months. So people get comfortable with the idea that you're not there on vacation, that you're yeah. actually working. And so in order to to overcompensate um, and set that precedent, you really, really have to set a precedent in the first two months. You have to absolutely kill it. That means you have to be available. And what does available mean? It means, okay, if if regularly your company uses some sort of chat, they're using uh, Skype, Slack, uh, Google Chat, doesn't matter, um, be responsive. Like during your normal work hours, be on top of it. Be responding back before they even click enter. So that they're just like, yeah. wow, this person is <laughs> like above and beyond, like totally yeah. available. If it means taking meetings, that means make all your meetings. Absolutely do not miss a meeting for under any circumstances in the first <laughs> couple of months. And yeah. make sure that your the last thing is make sure that your Wi-Fi is rock solid. So if you're first starting, go somewhere where there's good Wi-Fi. Like I'm yeah. I'm not starting in a beach unless I apply to Carmen's okay for the most part, yeah. right? Like you could get good. some spotty stuff, but it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, like, hurricane. <laughs> us, yeah, I mean, and what you can't account for. So like, I would say pick somewhere that you're just not going to have any of those problems. 
but Mexico City, you're going to have none of those problems. Um, yeah. Medellin, you're not going to have any of those problems. You just have to make sure though you set that precedent for the first couple months, because that way, if something happens after you've already set a really good precedent, they're going to think it's just random. They're not going to think it's because you're off screwing around and, you know, hanging yeah. out on the beach and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so for me, I just made sure that the first few months were a hundred percent rock solid, always available, always taking all my calls, internet worked solid all the way through. And then, then there were no questions after that. Yeah, that's great. And I think it depends. Like if you're uh, working for a company where everyone's remote anyway, I think it makes it a little bit easier because people are used to that. For me, when I was working at Pepsi, everyone was in an office. I had been there for four years when I started working remotely. And the added challenge on top of everything you just said for me was like, I wasn't there when people walked by and they were all walking by each other. So I had to actually, on top of that, learn like, how do I communicate with these people? Like, do I set up more calls? Do I need to do more check-ins? Do I need to just like ping them once a day and say, Hey, like if there's anything important today, like, you know, dial me in so they don't forget. Um, so if you're, if you're working remotely, that was, that was many years ago. So it might be different now. And it just depends on like, you know, is, is everybody staying in your office while you're away? You might have some like even more things to figure out on top of that. But to Jeff's point, it's, it's great. of just like those first places, you know, don't go somewhere crazy desolate or by the beach or in a town where things are always kind of mm. cutting in and out. Like as you progress through your nomad journey, you start to get more comfortable, learn how to use backups and SIM cards and cell service. And, you know, there's, there's workarounds for sure when you want to get to those places, but like to start, go to the simple places, make it easier on yourself, try it out. And then um, the other thing I want to ask Jeff is about like, how do you find a place to like a, a quiet space to work? Are you working from home cafes co-working spaces like how does somebody mm. ensure when they arrive at a destination and maybe get there a day or two early to check it out the first time but like how do you find a place that has that wi-fi and where you want to work yeah I, th- I think that's probably a major problem that i've seen a lot of people make is figuring out once they get there like i've i figured yeah. out before i get there like i'm you, there's yeah. a lot of different tools you can use and we'll get into a whole wi-fi episode with diego and we'll just let him nerd out for <laughs> for 90 yes, percent of it and we'll just continue add, him a few, add a few comments but there's i'll go through a few of the tools that you can use to figure out if you're going to have wi-fi um so first of it first of it is um nomad list if you go to an individual location on nomad list say changu like it'll tell you what's the average city wi-fi speed so you get some sort of range of like what you're going to be looking at. So if it says average city Wi-Fi speed is four down, um, you're going to have a problem because it's usually going to range yeah. on, it's not going to be four. It's going to be lower than that or maybe a little bit higher than that. And that's not going to be, it's not going to be strong enough for phone calls. Whereas if you look at like Galway in Ireland, it has the fastest Wi-Fi speed in the world with an average download of 120 or 130. So anything 20 either direction of that, you're going to be absolutely fine. So you understand like mentally, you have some sort of range of where you're probably going to end up. So that's a good starting yeah. point. Another one is that you can also look at um, cell signal maps. There's a, I don't recognize, I don't remember the, the website, but there's a website which will show you like an overlay of cell signal on a map. And it'll show you where, which areas have 3G, and which areas have 4G or none. And so you can see, you can pinpoint exactly where you live and you can see if you have 4G or LTE, you can just tether to your phone and you're going to be fine. Yeah. 
if you have good cell signal, then you're going to have pretty good internet. Um, yeah. It's yeah, so yeah. interesting with, 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 I say with internet, like these are things I just didn't even think of before I started. And so if you just go to those starter locations, it's going to make it easier. But I've like, I lived in Nigeria for a month where there was almost non-existent Wi-Fi, but their yeah. cells are like, I got a local SIM card and it was like $25 for 25 gigs of data. And so I think, you know, I, I worked almost a whole month just oh, yeah, on that. Um, yeah, there's just, but also like, and this is as you get into the weeds, if you're just starting out, you don't need to know these things, but there's certain like islands and beaches I've been on where I was, you know, had a certain SIM card and I got it at the airport or I use Google Fi now and it just doesn't work on a certain island. And so they're like, oh yeah, by the way, like you have to have this carrier SIM card and it works everywhere. And there's just weird things like as you get going and there are things that you learn and as you tap into our nomad network of fellow beach commuters, you know, you can start Mm. to ask your friends and say, you know, Hey, I'm going to this Island. Who's been, what do I need to do? What's it like? And you figure it out before you get there, as you said, and you know, I reach out to Airbnbs beforehand and get speed tests and things. I just didn't think of before I started traveling, but it's all doable. We always do that too. And that's like a, a very fair requirement is to ask the Airbnb yeah. host to send you a speed test. So yeah. you can do that. And you can also do research into different co-working spaces of where you're going to go. Yeah. It's very, very easy yeah. to, to find those. And, and you would be shocked. Like even some of the more remote locations, like I went to San Cristobal de las Casas in, in Mexico. And it's like, it's pretty far out there in the mountains. There was a co-working space with 150 down. Like it was, yeah. it was perfect. And just doing a little research online, you could find it. Okay, it's in city center. I'll get an Airbnb, 10 minute walk away, and then done. You've got a workspace for yeah. a month, and you've got nothing love, to worry about. I love traveling with all of you who like really need this because I'm just like, great, you've got it figured out. I'm, I'm coming along. But. <laughs> <laughs> less yeah. important to me but I need it for sure but even to your point um and I was going to Guatemala for a month with the group and uh, we found this Airbnb that we loved and we you know we're like send us a, a, a speed test and they were like it was way lower than we wanted I'm like I'm sorry we're not going to stay unless it's 20 above and they literally set up a whole new wire they're like we've been yeah. meaning to upgrade this like they yeah. set it up just for the month for us and um it was it was great and they were like super responsive and there was a co-working space nearby you know all the things so um, don't let it hold you down, but make it easier. On, these are like more advanced tactics. Make it easier on yourself when you first get started and you can work from home, work from co-working spaces, work from a cafe, just depending on the level of like quiet or privacy or, or space that you need. Yeah, And some also, places have like little individual office space, like kind of like a uh, lot of them do. Little, type, yeah, uh, little, little like phone booth rooms almost. Yeah. yeah. Um, a lot so. of times you can also, you can also Google cafes, workable cafes. There's mm-hmm. all kinds of there's all kinds of travel blog websites that talk about yeah. like cafes you can go to. So you just Google your location plus cafes and you'll get some reviews on what's the most what are the most workable places. Yeah. Some, some blogs really nerd out on it. They will tell you the <laughs> download speed, they'll tell you how quiet it is, how many drinks yeah. per hour you need to order to <laughs> to not bother anybody. To stay and, there, yeah. Uh, and to stay there. Yeah. Um uh, just doing a little bit of just intuitive research beforehand gets you a long way. Yeah. And everyone has their different style. Like some people love the cafes, depending on the type of work you're doing. Some people they like need the co-working spaces and the silence and the privacy mm. and the Wi-Fi speed. I love to work from home. I'm on a lot of like intimate calls with coaching and stuff. Sometimes I just like to work from home. So yeah, it's kind of like pick your own, pick your own adventure. Yeah. Um, 
So lastly, Jeff, as we're just talking about working for an employer as you're on the road, uh, the last topic I want to cover is just the sustainability of doing it all. Like, is it hard? Is it exhausting? How do you like stay energized and focused and not burned out? Like how, God, give us some that's a whole there. episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I know all of let's these do, are. Let's do that. Let's, we'll let's do. do a whole episode on that for sure. Okay. I, I, we just get broad strokes today. I think it's probably. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you kind of break this down into mental health and physical health, the way I would see it. If, if we're not talking um, business, like we've pretty much, I think we've covered how to work for your organization pretty sufficiently. So um, personally, mental and physical are the two areas. And um, yeah, you can get burned out pretty quick, especially right off the bat, because you want to do everything. You get out there yeah. on the road and you want to see everything. You don't want to miss anything. People asking you out, you never want to say no, it's going to happen. Um, yeah. So just like learning to say no. Like learning to say power. no. Is, is, you know, we, were ta- we were talking in an episode about, you know, loneliness and this is the, the opposite problem where you've got too yeah. much, which will happen. You will have, it will. You will have too if much. You don't more believe us, you promise it will. Promise <laughs> happens to everybody. Um, yeah. So let's just uh, talk mental health. Um, you have to get a sleep routine. It's so, so important to sleep hygiene. Um, I've seen, uh, I've got so many examples of friends burning out because they stay up too late or they, you know, they just break all of their home routines and they will watch movies before bed, getting blue light, uh, working before bed. You have to set boundaries. You have to set boundaries with um, looking at screens. You have to set boundaries with, with work and just say, all right, off. These are the off times. Um, and you just yeah. you can't do anything. So I think sleep hygiene is super important. And you have to stick with whatever you have at home and don't just start breaking your routines because you're traveling. Yeah. That's a super important Even thing. Even with an employer, we talked about, like if we're looking at this as a lens of being an employee for a company, we talked a lot about um, just being always available in that first time. But I think it's mm-hmm. also, we won't get too much into detail, but it's really important also to set your boundary of being off. Just because you're traveling doesn't mean you have to so be available important. 24 hours a day, right? It means yeah. like, hey, I'm working until 6 p.m. even though I'm you know at the beach or wherever and I, I'm hyper available during those times and I'm connected. I'm still turning off at these times. I'm going to communicate that and set boundaries. And of course mm-hmm. it depends on the company you're working for and the culture and all of that. So it's, I mean, this is really just life lessons for working from home in general, but um, yeah, all of those things are super important. Yeah. Yeah. The boundaries are super important. Um, also setting routines for your, for your mental health. So if you, mm-hmm. uh, whatever it takes for you to unwind, whether you're uh, a meditator or, uh, you read whatever it takes for that decompression. Keep doing that. You have to keep doing that, and yeah. you have to do it. At least try to do it every single day, and ideally at the time that you usually do it when you're not traveling. Um, so, like, yep. I'm I'm a meditator. Have to do it in the morning. Meditate 15 minutes in the mm-hmm. morning. Just keep just keep doing that. Reading if you read at night, read at night. Definitely do that. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the first things that slips. Those little self care things that just takes a few minutes that people are just like, ah, I don't know. I can skip it. I'm having fun. Yeah, you can't, yeah. you can't because your mental health is going to start to suffer. So yeah. that's, that part is unbelievably important. It's happened to me before my first trip, <laughs> just like meditation, completely gone out. Yeah. Eating, drinking, adventures all that kind of on. stuff. Yeah. Adventures, all that kind of stuff. You, you can't let that slip because 
at all of a sudden like a month will creep up on you and you're like, Oh my God, I've, I've lost my, I've lost my discipline. Right. And that's, and then when you start losing your discipline, then you start to start to slip and you start to not feel good about yourself. And all of a sudden the fun times aren't fun times anymore because you have no discipline. Yeah. I think that we could do like, whole episodes on this to your point, but just as a reminder, when you're traveling, both your employer, your friends, your family, people, and maybe you to think like a lot of people think you're on vacation. And if you were at a beach or at a place or wherever, even though you're working, like you still have this little part in your brain where it's wired differently. And you're like, I'm on vacation. I have to do all the things. I have to be all the things. But you know, if you go for one month a year and that's it, you can maybe get away with kind of burning the the candle. What's the phrase? Like burn the candle at both ends or whatever you want to say and and do more. But when this is your life, when you're really traveling month after month after month on end, or even just hopping back and forth into this, you really, really do have to treat it as like your life and not a vacation. And that's very hard to do of like, how do you find your gym? How do you, like you said, still meditate, still do all the things. So anyway, yeah, we could go on about that. And it's, it's definitely, I think for me as a nomad, it's like just one of the biggest things I've had to learn and practice and do. And when you're changing up your location so often, um, it's, it, it really is a lot to, to mentally handle. It's a lot, you know, when you're just of choices to make and when you get to a new place, sometimes I spend a full day, like walking to three different gyms and seeing which one I want to join for the month. And like, yeah. it takes time. So to, to build yeah. all of that in, remember, like make this your life, you know, you can't say yes to everything. You don't do everything. You don't eat everything. Like, you know, you, you still got to be healthy and, and live and, and be energetic and yeah. Yeah. You got to plan out physical health too. You have to you can't eat out every night. You have to figure out where the grocery stores are, like Google it beforehand or ask people or just kind of explore around the first time to get there. Like, okay, yeah. where's the grocery store? And then if you're take, if you're living in an Airbnb or some sort of group setting, stock up your fridge full of good stuff. And that'll prevent yeah. you from eating crap and it'll prevent you from having to go out and eat at a restaurant every time you want to eat anything. Um, so mm-hmm. you got to stock up your fridge. And then working out, you mentioned – um, checking out the gyms. Yeah, absolutely. Check out the gyms like early on and get a membership and hold yourself accountable to it. Like if you yeah. sign up for a membership really early on, you're more likely to go do it. Um, yeah. I'd also recommend like if you haven't taken up any sort of uh, exercise that uh, doesn't require going somewhere, I would definitely do that. There's some places where <laughs> if you're a runner, you're not going to be able to run. Like there's some cities where it's just it's not runnable. Like you're just going to get hit right. by a car or you get your run over by a, by a, by a moped or something, or it's way too damn hot, you know, like or steep or hilly or, or steep knows, or hilly yeah. or whatever. Like sometimes your typical workout won't work. So I would recommend finding workouts that you don't need specific space for. Yeah. Like you can do, there's so much stuff online. You can do hit workouts anywhere. You can literally do that in a closet. You could do um, yoga. Like if you, if you haven't, if you don't think you'll enjoy yoga and you haven't done it before, just try it. Like it's really, really good for you. And you get a great exercise with it. And it's meditative. <laughs> We're preaching. You? I'm laughing. I'm, I want to like yoga. I just can't. I can't. I haven't one day. Maybe I like the sports where I can like chase a ball and run. And I don't know. But if you but, don't have that, it'll work in a pinch. If you got nothing else, yeah. it'll, it, all That's you true. need is a little bit of space. Got some great YouTube videos. I have like little time yeah. space. I've, I've done workouts in some crazy, crazy hotels and Airbnbs Same. and roof, rooftops, beaches, roads, parks, you name it. So I'm sure people below yeah. me didn't appreciate my burpees, but uh, gotta do it. Gotta do it. it. So gotta do it. 
Yeah. All right. So we've given uh, lots of different information here. I think the overall takeaway here is all of those mental obstacles that come into your head when say, I can't work abroad because this, I can't work abroad that, or my company says I can't do this. Um, inside the, we, so we have a go, we call the go remote employment course, but it, we, we talk a lot about negotiating and how to have a win-win and like really how to ask and find out like, what is your employer scared of? What are the fears that they have? How do you overcome those? And how do you, it's, I always call it like, I think it's a really sensitive dance to, to, to understand the employer's needs and in a really delicate way, you know, combat and help them understand. And so the more you're listening to this podcast, the more you can take this course, it gives you all the information that you need to really say, I hear you employer, but you know, here's how I've prepared. Here's how people are doing it. I, I know the things that could come up. I'm going to be overprepared. All of those things. So if you're interested in that, as always, you can check out uh, beachcommute.com slash GRE. We'll put it in the show notes. And then also, if you're just curious about like, um, if you're new to this and you're wondering like, what jobs are you guys talking about? What are all of you nomads doing? Um, one of one resource we have is you can check out beachcommute.com slash the number seven jobs. And we'll just talk about the seven most common jobs. Um, that's a fun place just to get started. There's tons more, but um, just to see what our community of a thousand people are are doing. And yeah, Jeff, any other words of wisdom, last wise words before we hop off of this episode? No, just other than if you ever have any questions, we're always, always available. You can email us at hello (laughs) at beachcommute.com. And uh, we've seen most of it. We've been to a lot of the places. (laughs) Um, Chances are, if you have a question or concern, we'll be able to address it or one of the three of us can figure it out. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, I guess we're signing off our um, official digital nomad resource center. <laughs> Whatever oh, you we are. Back to mine. You reverted I'm back joking. To mine. I don't like that one. Help we are out, all things you ever need to become a digital nomad, <laughs> to get a remote job, but especially if you want a remote job, uh, we've got a great course for that. So check out beachcommute.com slash GRE, and we will see you on the next episode where we'll dig into some other awesome topics. See you next time. Thanks, everybody. 